Good morning. Uh, so first of all, I just want to start by uh, thanking uh, Mrs. Malka Florence for uh, this is this uh, she is her brainchild, and uh, she put everything together over here. And um, people are interested. Sponsorships are still are still available. Um, if somebody wants to participate in that way, so the the topic uh, that we're going to be talking about. Uh, has to do with something that really doesn't have anything to do with my life because I'm just not a woman, so just not. Uh, but uh, the, the yomtiv of Purim is is a yomtiv that is definitely one for women. Uh, Chazal tell us that when they made the initial uh, takana, the initial when they initial, initially established. The Yomtev of Purim, women were and are included because Afhin Hayub Osanes, that they were involved very much so. In fact, uh, clearly they're the ones that made it happen. So this is all about, this is a Yomtev that really is all about a woman specifically, Esther. The Megillah is called Megillah Esther. And uh, there are, depending on the Yomtev, so some Yomim Tovim, women are. Absolutely, fully included. Uh, women belong at the seder. Uh, believe it or not, there's in men and women are equally responsible for cleaning for Pesach. I know, <laughs> shocking uh, piece of information. And men and women are also equally responsible to be awake and uh, there at the seder, which I guess we'll deal with after Purim. How to pull that off, but. Um, but when it comes to other mitzvahs, there's no need for a woman. There really is technically not a necessity for a woman to hear shofar. That's not a, 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 a that's a time-bound mitzvah that a woman is not mechoyevin. They're not required to to, to do. Um, sukkah is not something that women are required to do. But women are fully required to participate in Purim. That means that they have to go hear the Megillah. They have to send mishloach manos. They have to give matanos levyonim. And they have to participate in the festivities. The su'uda, the mishta, the simcha, the happiness, the, the, the party of it is something that they need to participate in. Rav uh, Shmuel Kamenetsky uh, brings down, he's brought down in a sefer that women are also required to have a revius of wine or grape juice on Purim, just like, just like men are, that they are part of that mitzvah. However, there definitely seems to be something that women are... Uh, at least from my perspective, a little bit left out of, that there is a whole party aspect to Purim that men seem to uh, take advantage of and that women um, could, I think, view sometimes Purim as being something where it's hard, there's a lot to do, like Manos and a lot of uh, things, getting involved with the Su'uda and taking care of all the kids, and... Women are busy taking care of stuff, and the men are off having a good time. And if uh, this is supposed to be an equal opportunity yumptiv, um, why why does it work out that way? I mean, this whole thing was done by a woman, so I mean, maybe it's kind of the way it starts that like Esther did the whole thing, and then everybody else got to have fun afterwards. But <laughs> but um, but but it it wouldn't seem to be that that would be the appropriate way for this whole thing to shake out. So what is the proper perspective 
of Purim in general, and how are we supposed to understand uh, a woman's role, where she fits, what she's supposed to be getting out of and, and doing uh, with her Purim. So let's take a step back and understand the essence of what Purim is all about. The Megillah tells us that when they established Purim, so obviously there are the physical mitzvahs that we do. We do Tanzev Yonim, Manos, Megillah, all those things, it's all part of it. But it also says that what they did was that they were establishing to Asher Kimu al-Nafsham al-Zaram, that that which they set aside for themselves and for their offspring, for their children, future generations, divrei hatsomos v'za'akasam, the matters of the fasts and the, and the outcryings. So it's talking about fasting and crying out to Hashem. And it says that Purim is all about those things. What's this referring to? It's not talking about Tanis Esther. Tanis Esther, just as an aside, Tanis Esther has nothing... It, on when it, leading up to all of the miracles of Purim, there were fast days that were taken on by the Jewish people, by Esther, by Mordechai. That is not what Tanis Esther is. Tanis Esther is that the Jewish people went to battle on the, uh, the on, on the thirteenth day of uh, of Adar. When the Jews went to war, they fasted. Therefore, we fast. That's why there's nothing mourning like about Tanis Esther. It's one of these fast days where you can listen to music. It's not like Asar Beteves or certainly not Teshubav or Shavas Batamas. It's not like those other fast days. It's a fast day that doesn't really have a sad component to it. It's a day of tefillah. It's a day to, to, to daven Tashem. But part of what Purim is all about is the matter of the fasts and the crying out to Hashem. What does that mean? It means that part of the essence of the day, or not even part of, the, let's say the inner core of the essence of the day is a time of remembering or tapping into the fasting and the tefillos that Esther, Mordechai, Klal Yisrael all had at this time of Purim. That's what drove the whole nace. That's why Purim is a day that is a day of tefillah, where there's the, the Chazal have a turn of phrase when it comes to giving tzedakah on Purim, that kol haposhet yad nosnim, that anyone who sticks out their hand you should give. And it's a certain um, level of giving tzedakah that normally when somebody asks you for tzedakah, you are allowed to check and say, okay, does this person qualify for tzedakah? Are they, are, they, are they for real? Are they not for real? On Purim, we just give. We don't ask any questions. We just give. And it is a, a kind of like a message to us that just like when somebody sticks out their hand to us and we're supposed to give them um, without thinking twice, Kodesh Baruch Hu does the same thing for us. So it's a time that is just super powerful for tefillah because of the... And kol ha-poshet yad, anyone who sticks out their hand to Kodesh Baruch Hu and asks him for something... Nosnim, Hashem gives it to them. And the, the part of the essence of Purim is that Purim is all about divri hatsamos v'zakasam. It's about the times that they were fasting and that they were crying out to Hashem. That kind of captures the essence of what this day is all about. So I want to 
analyze a few elements of the story of Purim, the story of the Megillah, and to see a certain theme, a certain thread that goes through the actions and the, 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 what was going on with Mordechai and Esther as things were driving to their uh, positive conclusion. We have perhaps at, at like the, one of the key moments of the story of Megillus Esther is we have Mordechai finding out that Haman has gone and made this tremendous gezerah, this decree against the Jewish people. And he's, you know, so he puts on sackcloth and ash, and he's, you know, he's out in the middle of the street crying out to Hashem, and it's, he's, it's time to call up the reserves. So he sends a message to Esther that now's the time that you're going to have to act, now's the time that you're going to have to do stuff, so let's go, you're going to have to go to the king. And Esther's like, well, I don't know, I haven't been called to the king in all this time, 30 days, and if anybody shows up, they get killed. And Mordechai sends back, no, but you've got to go, it's important. In the back-and-forth discussion, there is something really strange that happens. They do not ever talk to each other. This is a thing where they are just going... Mordechai is sitting outside, and he's in sackcloth and ashes. Esther sees it, sends clothes with an intermediary. Then Mordechai says, no, send him back. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want them because there's this terrible decree against the Jews. The guy sends the clothes back. Then she says, well, tell him that, like, you know, uh, you know maybe he should take, and then she offers him again, and then he says, no, 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 you don't understand. There's this terrible thing, and you're going to have to go. She says, I can't go. She says, none of this is a direct communication. This is all like, you know, they're playing telephone. Like, when people play telephone, it doesn't come out good. Like, that's not, that's, that, that, that's almost like the, the reason the game is funny is because of the way the message comes out in the end. This is the most important part. Mordechai is coaching Esther. He's telling her, this is what you've got to do. You need to go to the king right now. She's saying, I'm going to die if I do so. He says, it doesn't matter. This is why you're in this position. She says, so make sure that everybody fasts for me for three days, and then I'm finally going to go... They're having this whole back and forth, and they're not talking to each other directly. The only way, like the, the, the proper way to communicate, to get messages across, it's all through direct communication. Why are they not directly communicating with one another? What is going on over here? The Vilna Gaon tells us in his explanation of this part of the story, he says that, Mordechai refused to stop his sackcloth and ash sense of being and davening to Hashem for even one second. It was worth it for him to, I guess, have the, the possibility of the message getting a little bit messed up in, you know, in that kind of communication because he was trying to have a constant connection an unbroken connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's a medrash that describes Mordechai is ultimately, so he's taken out on the horse. Haman's leading him through the city. Right? So this is, this is the moment where like the tables have turned. Mordechai is now riding high. Haman gets... Uh, you know, 
literally stuff, you know, dumped all over him. And he goes back home. His wife tells him, you're done for. It's over. Enough old people. You're going to fall. And the story seems like has like totally shifted in favor of Mordechai. What does Mordechai do after he gets off the horse? So the parade's over. And what does he do? He says he goes back to the gate. And Rashi says, goes back to the gate and to his sackcloth and to his ashes and to his tefillah. And it's based on a medrash. And the medrash says that, do you know why Mordechai achieved such gedula, such greatness? It's because, he was davening at every moment. So it was like, literally, he, was, he, he did not stop davening. And it says that even though he, he seemed to have like hit this point of like riding high, like, it's over, it's over, it's in the bag. Homan's done for, we're good to go. So, go home, I don't know, take a shower. It's, you know, the, the, like, everything's good. No, no, no. He went back because Vlohegis Libo, he didn't let his heart get high like that. He didn't stop davening. He went right back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And, he, and, and that was the sense, and that was the feeling that Mordechai was working with that he was not going to stop his connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That was everything that he was doing. There's another very, very strange Maimar Chazal talking about Esther. Gemara says, Gemara Megillah says, that when Esther, so we're at the second party, what do you want up to half the kingdom? Okay, this is the moment. It's finally come. So she says... You know, my people are going down. They're going to be destroyed. And King says, Mihuza, who is this that's doing this? So she says, Ish, Tsar, Oyev. It's this evil, terrible enemy. So the, Medri- the Gemara says, when she was saying that, she pointed to Achashverosh. And a Malach came, moved her hand to Haman. Now, people choke under pressure all the time. Like, you know, people just like, you know, you're under pressure, somebody asks you a question, you just say like a stupid thing. You know, like that happens. It's okay, you know. And it's an understandable thing. Like Esther's whole life is moving to like one moment. This is it. She has like this moment where she can finally say, Haman is his bad guy and he wants to kill us all. And finally, she has purpose to her life. And, and she goes... And she's saying, and there's this terrible, evil person, and it's you? Like, she's talking to Achishverosh, like, what, what are you doing? Like, like what's, what, was, what was she thinking? What was going on in her mind? The Vilna Goyen explains is that you have to understand what Esther, what her life, was and what her life was all about during, during not just that, those moments, but during all these years. Earlier in the story, there's a, there's a very big question about the whole story. It goes on for a while, and the person who seems to be dragging out the whole thing is Esther. Look what she does. Mordechai says, go to the king. It's time to go to the king. You've got to go and plead on behalf of the Jewish people. 
She says, oh, I don't know. Oh, we're gonna get... So she, she finally works her... She fasts for three days, works her courage up. She goes to the king's... She walks in, and miracle of miracles, Ahasuerus points a scepter at her, says, Esther, what do you want? She's noses chen be'inov. She finds favor in his eyes, and he says, Esther, what do you want? Up to half the kingdom, and it's yours. So she says, come to a party. <laughs> like... Uh, like, what if he said no? What if it was raining that day? Like, what were you doing? Like, he just offered you, like, whatever you want. Great. Come to the party. That's the party. Esther, this is a wonderful party. What do you want? Up to half the kingdom. Same words, like, up to half the kingdom, and it's yours. Come to another party. Like, <laughs> like what Like what, what it was for? Like, wh- like, what are you doing? Just cut to the chase, get to the point. Like, let's, let's go. What's going on over here? What, what is she doing? So the Vilna Gaon explains the following. Esther was a person who was attached to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in, in a constant and consistent way. The, the famous Kapitel Tehillim, where it says, Keli, Keli, Lama Azavtani, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is the capital of Esther. That's, that is the capital that is all about Esther and her life and her role in the story. When does she say those words? It's she has fasted for three days and she is walking into Achishverosh and as she walks into the room, she feels the Shechina leave her. And she says, Keli, Keli, Lama Azavtani. So Chazal tell us that's when she says these words. Hashem, why have you left me? Why have you forsaken me? Before we explain why that happened, but you have, we have to understand something else. That means that Hashem Shechina, His presence, was her reality. And that it wasn't like she was like wondering, hey Hashem, what are you doing here? It's, Hashem, you're always with me, and now all of a sudden you're not with me. That means Esther is functioning in a way that the Shechina, Hashem, is always with her, and that's where she feels that she has this kind of reassurance that things are going to go the way they're supposed to go because Hashem is there. She walks into the throne room. What's in the throne room, the Vilna Gon explains, is idols. When there are idols in a, in, in, in a place, then the Shechina checks out. So she walks in. Keli, keli, lama zavtani. Uh-oh. Evasive maneuvers. Now what do I do? So she says, you know something? Achashverosh. How about you come to my place for a party? No idols there. Perfect. Okay, so then we gather yourself. Time to come to the party. What happens is she comes, he comes with Haman. But what does Chazal tell us about Haman is that Haman always has a little idol around his neck. He, he, he wore an Avodah Haman comes into the party. What happens to the Shechina? Checks out again. She says, okay, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'll try this again. And Hashem, like, could, could something please work out? Vulnagun continues. And he says, okay, so then what happens next? After the first party, then Ahasuerus is having trouble sleeping. Haman shows up. Oh, what should we do to a man, king, to, to a man the king wishes to honor? Put him on a horse. And the whole story happens. And then that day... Haman has to go and take Mordechai, ride him through the, th- 
through the streets, and he ends up getting garbage dumped on his head from his daughter. He comes home, Avel Vachafui Rosh, he is dirty and filthy. Pasuk then said, and then he has this conversation with his family, things aren't going so good. Then it says, Vayav Hilu Lahavi Es Haman. And they hurried to bring Haman to the next party. What does it mean, and they hurried? So, on the kids' tapes, it says that the, so the, the, you know, the officers of the king come and say, come on, right, you stink, and come, and this, that, those, you should know, those, that, that, um, the Purim story, that, that, that is all, all of that witty repartee is all in Chazal. Happens to be that, that Purim is a funny yomtiv, and Chazal is funny, funny stuff, like Haman Mordechai, it's really good. Um, and all that stuff is really based on Midrashim and Gemaras. It's, it, all that, they didn't make that up. But here's the thing, is that they rush Haman out. They rush him out. He was getting ready to bathe. He had taken his idol off. They rush him out. He says, can I just check? No, come on. He comes, second round, and no idol. See, now the Shekhin is there. Comes in. Who is Esther talking to? She says, My nation is about to be destroyed. Hakarush Baruchu, I need your help. She's talking to the Melech. She's talking to the king. Which king? Not that clown Achashverosh. She's talking to Hashem. So when she says, I have a problem, who's the problem? Well, ultimately, yeah, Haman is, is like the guy who made this whole problem. But Achashverosh is the, is the one who gave his signet ring. So she says, Ish she's talking to Hashem. Ish Malach comes in and says, like, Esther, you still got to pretend you're with everybody else here. So point at the right guy, right? This has all got to be part of, like, Teva. They're not going to have any special, you know, crazy nisim going on over here. So she is talking to the Shechina. That's who she's talking to because that's who she's always with. It's, it's an amazing thing. So we have a picture of Esther as being a person who is totally, constantly, and consistently attached to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That is, that he, she always feels that she is in his presence. You know, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. If you think about the life of Esther, there is, there is something so tragic one could think about her life. Here's a person who is ripped away from her people. She has to act as though she has zero identity and, and plays the role for years. No contact with anyone who she's ever known before. No friends. She can't act as though she belongs to anything. She clearly has no interest in her marriage. And she's living this life alone. You can only imagine how lonely she must have felt. How did she do it? And then, it's not even a joke, after the whole thing is over, it's Mordechai, he comes out, dressed Vushmalchus, he's dressed like a, you know, like he, he, he's now like been elevated to, to, in Ahasuerus' court. And the Jewish people are so happy that they've been saved. And Esther stays where she was, 
still married to that guy, Ish Sarva Oyev, who she wanted, she was, she was telling on to, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. She ends up with a kid who ends up allowing the Jewish people to build a base of Mikdash, not exactly Yiddish and Nachas, right? She's intermarried, I mean, like, nightmare. How, how, was, she, was she lonely? Well, like, how, how did she feel in her life? I think the answer is that while she may have been alone, she wasn't lonely because she was always with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That was the presence. That was the friend. That was who she was always with throughout the whole thing. Purim is all about connection to Hashem. That's what Purim is. Purim is a Jewish people going through a whole uh, a period of, of, of history in which they felt like they were, their lives were unraveling, that they were going to be, that they were sold down the river by Haman, and that everything was going to be destroyed, that they had, that everything that they were was going to be destroyed. And then finding out that through the whole thing, Hashem was right there with them. Hashem was orchestrating all of these events over years and years and years. And they were able to have that sense that Hashem is always with us. Chazal, uh, the Mepharshim talk about how Purim and Yom Kippur are connected. And the way they say it is that Yom HaKippurim is the Yom, it's the day that's Kippurim, like Purim. Now, if you had to think of two days in which the way we act are like, you know, polar opposites, it's Purim and Yom Kippur. What does that mean? What does it mean that Purim is the, that, that they're similar? And not only that, when you say that something is like something else, you're saying that Purim, Yom Kippur is like Purim, meaning it's, it's not quite it. Purim is, that's the thing. And Yom Kippur is like that. What does that mean? Like, how, how do we understand that? The idea is like this. On Yom Kippur, we have a day in which we are totally plugged into Hashem. We turn off everything else. When we fast on Yom Kippur, the fasting on Yom Kippur is not, we're not trying to hurt ourselves. It's not like Tisha B'Av where we're, where we're in Avelis over something. It's that we're turning our, cell, our physical selves off in a way that we're just trying to be us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, that's an amazing day, very, very powerful day, artificial day. Because that's not how life is lived. We don't live life like we're sitting in shul with our, you know, dressed in white, you know, for 24 hours fasting. That's not life. Life is going through life. It's, it's just a day-to-day, you know, drag and, 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 uh, and, and experiencing whatever comes our way. That's life. Life isn't a yumptive. Life is a weekday. Purim is Yom Kippur-like. It's a day where we have opportunity to have tremendous connection to Hashem, consistent connection to Hashem. We don't need the artificiality of a Yom Kippur where we're fasting and standing in shul and doing all those other things where we detach ourselves from the world. We are totally plugged into the world. There's no Isra Malacha. You can do whatever you want. You can drive. And we have all of the regular weekday types of concerns that we have to deal with. We have to deal with our kids. We have to deal with our family. We have to do everything that, we, that, that, that needs to be dealt with needs to be dealt with. But at the same time, we have this opportunity for connection consistent connection to Hashem. Purim is all about divri hatzomus v'zakasam. 
What happened when Esther and Mordechai were fasting and davening to Hashem? Is that they were able to be totally and constantly plugged in to Hashem. And that's the opportunity that we have on Purim as well. So that is, that's, and, and, and even the other mitzvahs, mitzvahs that we have of Matanas of Yonim and Mishloach Manos, what are those about? Those are about emulating Hashem. We're trying to be, we're, we're, with, we're with Hashem. Hashem is a giver. Hashem is one who gives. He gives in ways that some people need rachamim, they need mercy, and he gives in that way. And then he gives because he's trying to build love and, and connection with us. So those are the two forms of giving that we have as well. That's what Purim is all about. Purim is all about being with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, emulating Him, living in His regular world, sensing Him, seeing Him, and trying to feel that connection. Now, how does it look to be connected to Hashem? What, is it, what does it mean? Like, seeing Hashem, experiencing Hashem, how, how is one able to do that? Kodesh Baruch Hu presents Himself to us in two ways. There is a, there's a description of Hashem being bara kachama, where it's like clear like the sun. And then there's a description, yafa kalavana, beautiful like the moon. There is a way of experiencing, um, like during the day we say emes v'yatsiv, and at night we say emes v'emuna. That there are times when HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence in our world, in our lives, is just like clear as day. And then there are times when Hashem's presence in our lives is not very clear at all. It's like nighttime. It's like we're in the darkness. But in the darkness, what do we have? We have a muna. We have a sense that Hashem is there. We have a faith. We have a belief that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is there. Shemesh is a word that is Lashem Zohar that corresponds to the man. Levana, moon, is a word that corresponds to the woman. Men work well, and this is all obviously general, you know, on a general level. Men work very well with concrete facts and ideas. And women are naturally much more intuitive. They have a subtle understanding of emotions and, and, and things going on in the world. When Avram Avinu is not sure what to do about sending away Yishmael, what should he do with Yishmael? Hashem says, Shema Bakola. You have a wife. Listen to her kol. Listen to kol is, it's not saying listen to her words. It's saying listen to her kol because as, as far as like having an intuitive understanding of like the right thing to do and the right sense of things, women have that intuition and therefore Avram Avinu is told, um, you know, listen to your wife. Generally when, uh, when, when my wife and I end up asking questions to, to, uh, to different people, um, the answer ends up being, Shema Bakola, whatever. Um, so um, the, the, the Medrash tells us that Yafa Kalavana, the beauty of the moon, is referring to Esther. Because Esther was able to show everyone how to have emuna, how to see Hashem in the darkness. And while it's wonderful to be able to walk in the sun and be able to see where you're going, but there is a beauty to being able to... Beauty is always found in, in, in the, the contrast between things. So when you have a moon lighting things up 
in the darkness, there is a there is a, not just like a clarity, but there is a beauty to that that Esther was able to tap into, and Esther was able to show the rest of the Jewish people. And Esther is uh, the, the, the name Esther is is connected to um, Chazal tell us that the non-Jews used to call her Siara. They used to call her Siara, which is uh, the Aramaic word for moon. That's that's even how that that that's how the world looked at her, and she was able to show people the way in the darkness. Women have, throughout our history, been the ones who had uh, the special, whether it be intuition or even emuna, throughout life, um, throughout the, the different saras that Klal Yisrael has gone through, uh, in the, in, in whether it be um, the mirrors that we, in the last few parshas, we talked about the mirrors, the Nashim Tzedkanios in Mitzrayim were able to have, even when the men were totally giving up, they were giving up on life, they were giving up on family, they were giving up on, on themselves. It was the women who took the mirrors out to the fields and told their husbands that, no, 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 there's a hope. There's HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world. It's, it's going to work out. We have no idea how. We can't tell you how, but we know it's true. And those mirrors ended up being playing such a, an important role in the construction of the Mishkan. In the Holocaust, there are many, many stories. I heard a, a, a very haunting story about um, in the Kovna Ghetto, there was uh, a time that there was, um, the, the Nazis came and they rounded up specifically children. And they went and they, and they, they took away all of the children. And it was um, obviously an extremely painful and emotional um, time for, for all of the, everybody who, who remained. And um, series told, I heard this, I heard this, uh, Rav Lopiansky's father was, was, was in the Covenant Ghetto. So I heard this story for him. He said that, that there was, um, in, in a household, there, the, it was Erev Shabbos. And... The father, who just had a bunch of his kids taken away from him, came into the house, and he saw the the leichter set up for Shabbos, and he came and he smashed them down, and he said like, like, who are we doing this for? Like, wh- like, where's Hakadosh Baruch Hu? And it was his wife who went and picked up the leichter and put them out and said, it doesn't matter, we do this anyway. And that the, the emuna and the, the sense of belief and the sense of trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the ability to, to feel and sense in HaKadosh Baruch Hu through Galos has been something that has uh, been the, 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 the hallmark of the Nashim Tzidkanayos, of the women of Klal Yisrael. Purim is a time of the emunas chabalelos. Purim is a time when everything was dark, there was no obvious miracle. Nothing obviously happened. But there was a woman who showed Klal Yisrael how in the darkest places in life, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there anyway. And that's what Esther was. Because as bad as everyone else's life was, nothing compared to what Esther's life was all about at that time. And she was able to show them, no, 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 this is how you live. You live, even in this situation, with that connection to Hashem. So when we celebrate Purim, 
what we do is we have a weekday, a day without any Isra Malacha. Go ahead and turn on any light you want, drive your car. All those things are fine. It's a day in which we have different activities that we do of emulating Hashem. And it's a day in which we're celebrating. Cele- celebrating what? Celebrating that ability to be fully connected to Hashem, even when it doesn't necessarily seem apparent that a Kodesh Baruch is there, that Hashem is there. But it's that ability to feel it anyway. Who's able to feel that? Most simply, women. Men, and there, there is a, you know, I guess you can call them performance enhancers, that uh, performance enhancing uh, materials. That so, so, so men have this idea, this mitzvah that that seems very strange and off, but of adlo yada. To get to a point where you don't know. So how is one supposed to fulfill that? Different opinions, go to sleep, drink, till a point where a person kind of loses that, that, that das, that sense. What's that for? It's not because it's like the funniest thing. It's like you think that like, oh, it's, it's a mitzvah to either party or go to sleep. Like, how could those things mean the same thing? Like, what is, what is that? Like, how, it's like, you know, two personalities that, you know, in conflict with each other, and like, you know, they're these guys, and then they're those guys. That's not what it is. The idea behind it is that men have a problem. They see concrete things. So they look at a world, and then they're told, no, 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 Hashem is everywhere. And they're like, where? Mm. Where is he? I don't see him. I don't, I don't necessarily see him everywhere. Therefore, there's a requirement or a need to cut the das, like get your, get your brain out of the way and feel a little bit. That's what the mitzvah is all about. That's what that mitzvah is. Somebody who's just going to go and get, you know, if, if somebody's going to decide to go and, and, and uh, you know, get slammed or something just to have a good time, totally missed it. That's not, that, 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 is, that is not, there is no mitzvah of that sort. The mitzvah is allow the, your, your brain, which may be too active and too literal and too much seeing things on the surface, allow that to kind of you know, get buzzed out of the way in order that you be able to feel and sense what's real. So who needs that? Men need that. Women, they have, they intuitively, they have that intuition automatically. And therefore, that ability to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is just different. And that ability to see things in, the regular, in, in regular life, they have that ability without uh, the help of, of other uh, things, uh, you know, in, in allowing them to kill a certain sense of theirs. Purim, if we talk about, like, what is Purim all about? Purim is all about trying to sense HaKadosh Baruch Hu in every part of one's life. You have to sense him in the bright sunshine of your life, and you have to feel him in the dark places of your life too. And the ultimate simcha, the, 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 the joy in Purim, is not that on Purim we pretend everything in life is great. That's not, that's, that's not simcha. That is stupid. That, that's, that, that's like, you know, that's... The, the true simcha is when a person is able to say, I have things that I understand about my life. 
I have things that I don't necessarily understand in my, in my life. And, and I may not even be fully at peace with them. But I have a sense that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with me and that I can talk to him and that I can feel a sense of togetherness with him and not, uh, and not loneliness. And through that, that is what gives a person that ultimate sense of simcha, that ultimate sense of, of joy, that ultimate sense of, of, of satisfaction in life. Um, I, my, my, my grandmother... Um, uh, she was uh, she 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 had some you know she uh, Holocaust survivor she um, she lost her husband um, forty plus years before she ended up leaving this world um, she lost um, children she she had some heart and she she lived by herself purposely and a lot of she would tell us at different points how. Um, you know, she would talk to Hashem, and she would tell him things like, "Enough of this stuff already." Like, you know, when when crazy things would happen in the news, she, you know, I'd be talking to her, and she's like, "We just have to tell Hashem enough already." I, you know, I went through enough, and I, I've seen enough, and it's time for the geula to come. But she she gave us all a sense that like this, like what was she doing by herself? She she wasn't lonely. She she was she was physically alone, but she was she felt a connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and was tapped into that. And it was something that she felt. And yet, even though there were tough, hard things in her life, that's what, that, 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 it, it didn't matter. She was able to have a, and this was something that she preached to us, she was able to have a, a joie de vivre, she was able to have a, a joy of life through it all, uh, d- d- despite the things that went on in her life. When we go through a Purim, so, Throughout the day, what are we supposed to be doing? Yes, we're running around, and yes, we're busy, and yes, we're doing this, and yes, we're doing that, and yes, we're sitting with people and schmoozing. And it's, it's a day that could be busy, and sometimes could be fun, and sometimes could be annoying. and something, like It has all of those elements to it. But it's a day in which we have an opportunity to connect to Hashem. We're able to thank Him at different points. Thank you for this, and thank you for that. And we're able to be mispalo, and wonder about, I don't know why this is... About, and and I, I wish this would change about my life, and I wish that that would change about my life. And having that connection, that is the true inner simcha that one is able to have. There was, there was a year when I was in Eretz Yisrael. Um, I don't exactly remember what year it was. It was probably um, in the late 90s, where right before Purim, there, was, there were three different terror attacks that took place in the span of a week. And the last one being on, the last one was on Purim of outside of Yerushalayim, where it was in Dizengoff and, and, you know, 14 people were killed. And it was just like, it was just a series of tremendous, tremendous um, uh, tsaras for Kalal Yisrael, just nonstop terror at that point. And um, the, the yeshiva that I was in, moved its msiba from being in the basement to being in the basement because it was like it seemed maybe inappropriate to so I remember that we called um, it was it was that day in between Tanis Esther and Yerushalayim Purim called our Rebbe and just said like what are we supposed to do it's like this is it's so the, the, the going on a bus this is like something that's like stands out at that point they made that every bus stop in Yerushalayim 
had two armed soldiers at every single bus stop. You could not get onto a bus without being patted down. That's how scared everyone was. And it was just like, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to celebrate Purim? So remember, we, so we called our rabbi, and he told us, he said that, you know, simcha is not cutting loose. That's not what simcha is. Simcha is that even in, it's, it's an avoda. It's something that you have to work on. And it's even in situations like this, even at times like this, it's recognizing that Hashem is running the show, feeling His presence, feeling His embrace, and sometimes even when times are hard and even when things don't look good and look right, it's knowing that He's still there, He's still in charge, and that everything is for the best. And that, when a person has that feeling, that's really what Simcha is. And the, 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 the sense, again, if we think about how Esther felt after everything was said and done, when Klal Yisrael went to go and enjoy themselves and went to party, and her life didn't change at all, except for the fact that now people knew she was Jewish. What, what was, what, she's the one who told everyone, this is gonna, she's the one who established Purim. Purim is established by Esther and Mordechai, ratified by Lancia Knesset Sagadola, but she's the one. And she said, this is a day of simcha, this is a day of happiness, this is a day of this, this is a day of Mishlach, right? And for her, it was a day where she was stuck in the palace of Achashverosh, married to, uh, you know, some, some married, married to not just a regular not, you know, guy, but like a disgusting guy. Like, th- that's, she, it wasn't like, you know, there's no happy ending where, where Achishverosh becomes a gare and like they, you know, and, and goes off to learn yeshiva somewhere. He's, he remains the same, you know, person that he was before. But she had that simcha and she felt that simcha anyway. How? Why? Because of that presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that she felt in her life. That sense of connection, that Mordechai and Esther show us throughout the Megillah, that's what we are capturing on Purim. That's what we have the opportunity to plug into on Purim. And as all of us go through our days, and all of us have different ways in which we're going to experience and celebrate Purim, we all have this ability. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there with us and for us in every situation. So no matter whether you're driving back and forth a thousand places, whether you're stuck going to work, whatever it is that a person has to do, it's a day where HaKadosh, it's Yom Haki, it's Yom Kippurim. Yom Ki, it's, it's a day where Yom Kippur almost touches it because we have the opportunity to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our regular lives. And when we're able to do that and we're able to have that happen to us on Purim, that's something that we can take with us and keep with us for the rest of our lives. And we should be Zoha as we go through Purim to actually feel, have that sense at different points and be able to kind of bottle those and keep them with us. And they could be mechazikas, they can strengthen us as we go through the rest of our year as well. All right.